There are going to be people, whether it's work or whether it's uh, they don't like the vision or, you know, they, they don't like Bill or, or they don't like the drummer or the red light on the drums or the purple light on the, on the uh, steeple out there, you know, for whatever reason. Uh, there's a lot of reasons. Uh, maybe it's the, the, the pews that are threadbare. I mean, it could be. I don't like these pews. I'm not going to sit on white chairs anymore. I'm tired. My, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm getting calluses in places that I've never had calluses. I, I'm tired of going here. So they'll come and say, Pastor, I think I'm going to go somewhere. Hey, that's awesome. Not, not, we're going to be friends. We're going we're to go to heaven together. It's crazy for us to try to build a kingdom that says, well, if you don't go here, then we can't talk to you, and we can't sit, we can't walk by, you know, can't stand in line with you at Walmart. That's foolishness. We're not building our kingdom. We're, we're, uh, we, we shouldn't kill Saul to take the throne. God has a kingdom he's building. I want to be a part. I want this church to be a part. But we're not the only thing going on. Somebody say Amen. I'm glad to be in this church. I love this church. I appreciate this church. Uh, and, and I'm thankful I fit here. <laughs> I'm thankful you fit here. But, but it's very important for us to realize we're not building our kingdom. The, the, the kingdom God's bigger than this. And we don't kill anything so that we can now take, oh, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw them out so I can do what they do. That, that's, that's ungodly. To destroy people to have what they have is ungodly. Somebody say amen. So we dealt with those two, and we're not going to deal with them again. Man, you deal with those two guys, you can have a, uh, you know, you can preach till Christmas on those two guys. So let's, let's talk about something a little different tonight. Let's go a little different direction. Same theme, same idea is that God is in control and can God and all that. I'd like to announce tonight that we are the children of God. <laughs> now that's comforting news that we are the children of God. And I'm thankful for that. And, and with that in mind, let's look at 2 Timothy 3 verses 1 through 7. We're going to dive in here in, in 2 Timothy 3. So it'll be on the screen if you have your digital device and want to go or make any notes. I'll leave that up to your discretion. Uh, 2 Timothy 3 this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. Boy, I'm glad our young people are in here tonight. Disobedient to parents. Oh, I read that once already. Unthankful, unholy. Verse 3. Without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. Wow. <laughs> despisers of those that are good. Traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Because or for of this sort are they. Listen to this. This is why you need to turn from because this is the kind of people they are. They creep into houses. Now that sounds kind of weird, doesn't it? 
they creep into houses and lead captive silly women. Now there's not many of them left around here, silly women that is. I'm treading lightly, Brother Bill. In fact, this ought to be a text they preach at the ladies' conference. Men ought to leave this text alone. (laughs) They creep into houses and lead silly women captive that are laden with sins, led away with different or diverse lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Wow. That's a mouthful. But it's so ambiguous, it's, it's so KJV that we're not sure we know what we just heard. You notice that when I was reading all those things? The, the disobedient to parents, we understood that. But silly women and creeping into a house and, and uh, incontinent, these are words we're like, wait a minute, I know what that could mean. So let's look at a little different translation. It'll be on your screen as well. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents. Well, I guess that translation, you can't translate that any other way. And ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred, They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride and lovers of pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. They will be religious, but reject the power that makes them godly. Stay away from people like that. They are the kind, if you want to know, who work their way into people's homes and win the confidence of vulnerable women who are burdened with the guilt of sin and controlled by various desires. Such women are forever following new teaching. Basically, what Paul is saying is they, they, they creep into people's lives and they say what they want, uh, they know this person wants to hear and this person never can come to be established in the truth because they're always chasing some other desire. Somebody say amen. The message has this last few verses translated this way. These are the kind of people who smooth talk themselves into homes of unstable and needy women or people and take advantage of them. Women who depressed by their sinfulness, listen to this, they they don't want to deal with their sinfulness. Uh Uh-oh. Somebody creeps in into, into their unstableness and smooth talks. They're depressed because they know they're sinful, but... They become manipulated. They get exploited every time and never learn. I'm glad I'm a child of God. 
I'm glad I got a preacher that looked at me and said, this is what you need to do to be saved. I'm glad he wasn't a smooth-talking snake oil salesman. I'm glad he preached to me the Word of God and sometimes told me what I didn't want to hear. Anybody hearing what I'm saying? In sad reality, this actual goes, actually goes on today. There are people who will manipulate depressed people taking advantage of them. I'm going to say that again. There are people who will manipulate depressed and discouraged people to take advantage of them. It is, it is heady stuff to be worshipped by somebody. Boy, it's real quiet, so I'm going to say that again. It goes to your head when somebody worships you. When somebody can't live without you. I know some of you is trying to find somebody like that. (laughs) Some of you thought you had. It's heady stuff to be somebody's God. It goes to your head. And I want to tell you, there are people, smooth talkers, who like to manipulate people. Boy, Brother Gary's liking this. He's laughing. I don't know if he's laughing at me or laughing at... No, he's not. Yeah, he's not. He's all right. <laughs> Had something to do with that incontinent word. <laughs> Every time I get to that, I just think, oh my goodness, why did they put that in there? Count me in. No. <laughs> Dear Lord. I, I preach the revival. I mean, this guy, if I called his name, you'd know him. He he went on to be with the Lord, famous guy, preached all over the world, preached all over the world. I preached revival in his church, and Sunday after service, there was a a line on one side of the church over here, and I thought, well, that's kind of funny. It just lined up, and he said, uh, we're going to go eat here in just a little bit, but but I've got to to take care of some things, and I said, okay. So I just, I'd never pastored, so I was kind of interested in how pastors took care of things. And so I just kind of, he walked off and started at the front of the line. I just kind of ambled, just kind of walked over to, to kind of eavesdrop. See what he meant by handling things. And uh, I was shocked at what people were, were saying, well, I, I need, I, I want to get your permission to do this and do that. And I thought, wow, it would be awesome for people to be lining up after church down the middle aisle, just just droves of them, just waiting for me to walk by and tell them what to do this week. I mean, I know I'm I'm not trying to make light of it, but but that I mean I could, I could actually you know see myself maybe wearing uh, a purple robe and maybe some gold trimming on it. You know, maybe a big LSU sticker on it. <laughs> and, and just kind of, you know, maybe even have Brother Mac and Brother Mike Donnelly kind of carry me on their shoulders down the middle aisle. And, and so I could look down at people and say, uh, no, you can't shop at IGA anymore. 
you got to go to Walmart to get your ground beef. No, see? See, it doesn't work. That's heady stuff to, for people to carry you out like that. There, there are people, smooth talkers, who know how to manipulate people. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I, I'm going real careful here, but I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Uh. That's a sad reality. And Paul said, from those kind of people, stay away from them. Stay away from them. I tell you what I want to do as a pastor. I want to build up soldiers for the kingdom. (laughs) Amen. I'm going to croak one of these days. And if you're going to need me to tell you this week where you need to shop and if you can go on vacation or not, uh, I might be in the hospital and you might not be able to get a hold of me and God knows where you'll shop then. I mean, I don't know if you'll be able to, to even get something in the cupboard. It's, it's not healthy. It's not healthy. It's not supposed to be that way. There's one shepherd. There's one door. We are God's children. You are not my children. You are God's children. Oh, if you believe that, clap your hands to the Lord. Lord, help us. That's right. Sad reality. There are people that are exploited. There are people to whom this has happened that think this is normal behavior. There are people that were raised like that that think it's normal. But they can't make a decision. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, I see glory on your face. I think it's still glory. All right, I got to hurry. <laughs> Only Sister Cheyenne knows how much notes I got to get to. <laughs> we're not, we're, we just got through the text. And it's seven minutes till nine. Not really. <laughs> not really. I know you said, wow, where did the time go? Pastor, I love your teaching so much. It's, it's almost nine and I didn't even know it. No, it's almost 8. Let's look at Romans 8, 14. Romans 8, 14. Say this with me. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Anybody believe that? Anybody believe you got the Holy Ghost? Anybody believe God wants to lead you? God wants to talk to you? God wants to give you direction? God wants to help you? God wants to deliver you? God wants to save you? God wants to keep you saved? God wants you to be happy? He wants you to have joy? Amen. You are a child of God. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. Now, the word son comes from two Greek words. Let's look at this. There's two Greek words. Now, we're not going to, we'll just put them up there for you to look at. Uh, technon or who else? Uh, I know they may, we, that's pretty close. That's the redneck version of those words. Those two Greek words. The first one, technon, is one, go ahead, one who is a son by mere fact of birth. That's the only fact needed for technon. 
It means you were born to that parent. That's all it means. It doesn't indicate age. It doesn't mean you're grown, you're infant. It doesn't mean you're an infant or uh, mature. It just, it's just the simple fact that you, by birth, you're, this, you're a child of this person. That's technon. Let me give an example of a scripture where it says, uses this term, technon, not that you're mature or an infant. It's just you, you're a child because you've been born to a certain person. It's in Romans 8, 15, and it says, For you know you have not received the spirit of bondage again unto fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children or the technon of God. We bit by a birth, and you must be born again. You're not a child until you're born. I don't care if you've been conceived. I don't care if your mama's belly is swelling and you are. You say, oh, wait a minute. We, we, that, yes, that is a life. But, but if that child is born dead, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's not a live birth. It, it is a child. But in, in the spirit realm, you must, John 3, Jesus said, you must be born again. This is, and that spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the technon are the children of God. We are a child of God by the fact of a new birth experience. It doesn't indicate I'm real smart now. It doesn't mean I've, I've all of a sudden I've got maturity now. It just means by a new birth, I'm a child of God. Somebody say amen. Huios simply means this. One who can be identified as a son because he displays the character uh, of his parent. Now, to display the character of your parent, uh, there's got to be maturity there. This one indicates maturity, age, or, or intellectual maturity, or physical maturity. It, it, it doesn't mean the other. It, it's a different word. The other means you're just born to this person. Huios means you now are developing into the character of your parent. Simply, technon means baby or immature sons. Huios means mature sons. Look at the word, where the word technon uh, appears. John 1.12 But as many as have received him, to them gave he power to become the technon or, or the, the babes in Christ, even to those that believe on his name. 1 John 3.2 Beloved, now are we the the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. We don't even know what we're going to mature into. But we know this, when he shall appear, we shall be like him. Now that doesn't mean be a baby until you see him. <laughs> no, no that, that means start growing into the character of, your, of the one who birthed you. And one day you're going to be like him. Let's look again at Romans 8, 14. For as many as led by the Spirit... Of God, they are the huios. It's it's huios here. Those that are led by the Spirit, they're not just sons by birth. These are sons that are mature, mature sons. It is mature sons that are led by the Spirit of God. Immature uh, are less likely to follow the leading of the Spirit. Anybody hearing me? Most often they react or respond emotionally or intellectually to circumstances they face because they're not comfortable reacting spiritually because they're immature. Anybody hearing me now? 
Let me ask you a very important question. How does an infant's character or physical uh, attributes, their intellect, how does an infant grow and develop? By watching a parent. Anything else? How does a child grow uh, and learn to do things physically and intellectually? How do they know math? Yeah. School? Yeah. Somebody, you know, two apples. Little Johnny, here's two apples. If we add one apple to it, what do we get? Bunch of apples. <laughs> how do they know how to count? You teach them. You show them. How do they know how to walk? You encourage them. You, you, they see you walk. They, they, they struggle. How do they to eat? I mean, we think about when your child grows, they grow. It, physical growth is a function of time. Have you noticed that? <laughs> you know there's parts of your body still growing? Oh, boy. Physical growth is a function of time. No two-year-old child has ever, not even Shaq, no two-year-old child has ever been six feet tall. None. Growth is a process of time. Somebody say time. Intellectual growth is a function of learning. You, you have to be taught, right? It, it, so for me to mature spiritually, you say, okay, well, so somebody's got to teach me how to walk. Somebody's got to teach me two plus two. So if, okay, let's think about this. Then spiritually, I need someone to change my diaper and tell me to put stars on my chart when I don't dirty my diaper, <laughs> I need somebody to teach me to walk and teach me to talk and kind of make, hold my hand till I do. And, and so we think, well, physically that's how it happens. So spiritually that's how it's happened. But spiritual growth is neither a function of time nor learning. There are some people that quote scriptures backwards and forwards. No, wait, it's in your Bible. We read it in 2 Timothy where Paul said there are people ever learning but can never come to the knowledge of the truth. How is that? How can they read the Bible over and over and never develop spiritually? If it's just knowledge, then they should have it. But the Bible says they ever learn, but they never know the truth. Wow. That means you can't take enough classes to know that. That means spiritual growth is neither a function of time nor learning, it is a function of obedience. Wow. Wow. So it has nothing to do with how you learn to walk or how you learn to talk or add or subtract or do algebra for that matter. Spiritual growth has to do with your ability to obey God. <laughs> it's that simple. Look at Hebrews 5 and 8. You're going to like this, maybe. Well, even if you don't, I'm going to read it anyway. <laughs> Though he were a son. Now, interesting, that's Huios. And you know what Huios is? Mature. And it's talking about Jesus. Though he was mature, yet learned he obedience by the things that he suffered. Look at that. He, 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 was, he was grown. But there were things he needed to learn spiritually that he only learned by obedience. 
by saying, not my will, but thy will be done. I know I don't feel it. I know I don't know how, but Lord, I'm going to obey you. Anybody hearing what I'm saying? Though he was mature, uh, maturing physically and intellectually, but he still had something to learn. Spiritual growth is not about maturing intellectually, reading books, getting real smart about the Bible. Spiritual growth is a function of obedience. In fact, keep reading. Verse 9 says, And being made perfect through obedience. Through obedience, he was made perfect. Do you know how you're going to be made perfect? By reading your Bible through. No, no. Do you need to read your Bible? Yeah, but do you know how you're going to be made perfect? By obeying what you read in there. In fact, let me give you, let me give you, let me be the under shepherd for a minute. Do you know that I know for a fact that the Holy Ghost spoke to people in the service Sunday? And I know you're going to be as shocked as I am. But the Holy Ghost spoke to people things that they were going through that nobody else knew. And the Lord gave them a direct word Sunday. And they did nothing with it. Did you know that? I know it's shocking. You know that the Lord said to them, if you have this problem, I want you to do this and I will bless you. And there were people that did not do that and wondered why they were still here. Oh, it's getting real quiet. I want to tell you, spiritual maturity comes by obedience. Not by attending church. Not by dancing up in the front. Not by singing in the choir. Anybody hearing what I'm saying? Obedience is the only thing that makes you spiritually mature. (laughs) And if Jesus, being a mature man, had to learn obedience, and when he did, it made him perfect. How am I going to reach perfection? (laughs) By continuing to say, yes, Lord, I'm going to do that. Yes, oh, I don't understand it, but I'm going to do it anyway because I know you want me to obey you. Everybody okay? Yeah. In fact, we're so okay. Let me mention to you the father of the faithful. His name was Abraham. Do you think he understood why God woke him up in the middle of the night and said, take your son to the mountain that I'll show you and kill him there? Do you think that made any sense? You think he had it figured out? What? Oh, well, let that speak to us. If that is the father of our faith, that he is the progenitor of what we have, then let me say to you, there's going to be times you don't know what God's doing. And you're going to feel, well, I don't know how. Well, how do you kill your boy? How do you do that? You know what Abraham did? He rose up early the next morning. He said, you know what? I I know this. He's my God and I'm going to obey him. And you know what? When you obey, God will meet you on that mountain. Come on, somebody say, Lord, I want to obey you. Somebody say, Lord, I want to obey you. Getting smarter doesn't make him perfect. Getting taller didn't make him perfect. I'm talking about Jesus. Obedience made him perfect so that he could become what God wanted him to be. 
Well, that's fine and good for Jesus, but what about me? I'm not Jesus. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, I know it, you don't know it, but I'm not Jesus. 1 Peter 4, 1. 1 Peter 4 and 1. For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. Oh, Lord, help me. I need the same mind Jesus had. And if Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same mind. For he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin. Remember, he learned obedience through what he suffered. Replaced in this verse, if they leave it up there, replace suffer with learned obedience. It says this, for as much then as Christ learned obedience for us in the flesh, you arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that hath learned obedience in the flesh, wow, ceases from sin. I can be what God wants me to be if I'll obey him. Now, if I keep doing my own thing and rebelling and saying, well, I know he wants me to do that, but I ain't doing that. And I know he wants me to do that, but I don't think that's, I don't know if I can do that. No wonder I'm not going to cease from sin. Somebody say amen. Okay. Now we understand one reason why we have people in church who have been Christians for 20 years who can quote verses and chapters of the Bible, have heard thousands of sermons and read a lot of books, but still wear spiritual diapers. They refuse to obey. You know what? If you obey, God will meet you there. Somebody say amen. They're always learning, the Bible says, yet never able to come to the knowledge of truth. They never come to the knowledge of the truth because they do not apply it. Truth must be allowed to have its way in your life. Truth must be allowed to have its way in your life. Anybody hearing what I'm saying? Truth must be allowed to have its way in your life. Listen, I, I, would, like to, I would like for you to do something. Uh, those that are led by the Spirit, they're the sons of God. Listen, I know you heard a lot of people say this about the Bible and say that about the Bible. But you know what? Don't take just their opinion. Their opinion may be fine. But go to the Bible. <laughs> go in there. See if it's backed up by the word. Anybody hearing what I'm saying? What does this have to do with, you know, uh, Jesus saying offenses would come and, and uh, how does truth and letting truth have its way in my life? Um, you do realize that disobedience has a lot to do with self-preservation. A common excuse for self-preservation through disobedience is offense. Some of you are not sure what I just said, but I'll tell you this. I'll put it this way. A lot of people want to protect their position, and they know they're in disobedience, so they'll blame it on being offended. Now, I'm upset, I'm mad, this or that. And they don't want to change their ideas or their thoughts or their opinion, so they blame it on being offended. So-and-so hurt me, that's why I'm where I'm at. And you say to them, you don't have to be there. And they go, oh, yes, I do, because they did that. Uh-oh. We like to sing. Oh, man, God, you're going to have to help me. Oh, thank Brother Rob, did you change the clock? <laughs> man, I've been preaching, and now time has gone backwards. It's 10 after 8 now. 
It was 10 till 9 when I started. <laughs> Folks, yeah, yeah, yeah. You ever heard that when we sing that song, the world didn't give it to me and the world can't take it away? Woo! But you do remember the guy that was 38 years beside the pool of Siloam? You, you do realize that? You remember that 38 years? 38 years. Anybody 38 here? Anybody 38 in this room? Your age is 38. Aaron, are you 38? Wow, 38. He's a young man. Think about Aaron being in the hospital from the day he was born until right now, being in the hospital. No wonder the guy said, when Jesus walked up and says, do you want to be made whole? The guy says, nobody's here visiting me. Think about it. 38 years in the same hospital. People quit coming to visit you. 38 years. I mean, your friends, even your friends, they want you to either die or get better. But this hanging on business, this 38 years of laying here, I mean, I got stuff to do. I can't sit here all day. Right. I don't know how long it took them, but at some point, they all quit coming. Nobody sent flowers. He's laying there 38 years. I have no man. Jesus said, do you want to be whole? I don't have anybody to put me in the... Well, that's not what I ask. See, this man is justifying his lameness by blaming it on somebody else. I feel this way because of what they did. I'm in this place because of what... No, nobody can make me feel that way. Nobody can put me there. Nobody can take my joy. No, you're not hearing what I'm saying. See, we've convinced ourselves... (laughs) I'm a child of God. I said, I'm a child of God. I know what the stats say. My, my dad, you know, running off and, and me being raised in a home without a male. In, I know what all the stats say, but, but, you know, I'm a child of God. I've been born again of the water and of the Spirit. I'm not going to stay in that prison all my life. Come on, I'm not going to lay here lame the rest of my life because Daddy forsook us. And when somebody walks up and says, wait, you're lame. You're lame. Uh, No, it's not. I have to be because Dad left me. No, no, Jesus. Jesus didn't even address that. He said, do you want to behold? The guy said, I don't have anybody putting him in the pool. Put me in the pool. And the Lord just says, rise up. You don't need an army here to tote you into the pool. You're a child of God. Offense keeps me from seeing my own character flaws because it's easier to blame dad. Uh-oh. It's easier to blame the youth pastor, oh, anybody hearing me now? Yeah, it's easier to make the problems we're having somebody else's fault. I never have to face my role, my immaturity, or even maybe my sin because I see only the faults of what they did. 
Lord, help me to realize I'm a child of God. There's an old parable. Some of you have heard it before. Because I I usually say, most times, a lot of times I say this to people that that maybe, uh, you know, for whatever reason, they we want to attend church here, and, and that's wonderful. And tell the story about the old settlers moving west, and an old wise man that lived in an old western town, and here comes a buckboard and covered wagon full of bright-eyed settlers into this new western town, and he'd be at the on the boardwalk, sitting out on the bench, and they'd pull up, and he'd usually be the first person they saw. They'd meet this man, eagerly ask the man, they said, Sir, what are the people like in this town? And he'd say, Well, tell me what the people were like in the town you just left. And they'd start telling him, Oh, they were cutthroats and rascals and this and that, and They'd go down the list, and that's why we moved out. And when they'd all get done, the wise man would look up and say, Well, the people in this town are about the same as they are in the town you just left. You're going to find them everywhere. I said, You're going to find them everywhere. And so I, can, I, I want to make sure that I'm letting God lead my life and guide my life and bring me into maturity. (laughs) Somebody say amen. Let's look a little deeper in this area of being led by the Spirit. Somebody say led by the Spirit. Remember that, and I close. Remember the old story of Joseph, what kept him on course was the knowledge of the truth, right? He had a dream. God showed him what was going to happen, and that kept him on course. There's nothing like the truth to keep you on course. Somebody say amen. In spite of the trouble that he went through, he knew the truth. God's going to do something with my life. It's a dangerous thing to walk around with wounds and feelings and hurts because you can get, you can get off track. It's very important to keep holding on to the truth. It's very important to put your feet on the rock. Because if you put your feet on wounds and feelings and hurts, you're going to fall down and you're going to keep on falling down. But if you'll hold on to the truth, I don't care what your brothers do to you. I don't care how they sell you out. If you hold on to the truth, you're going to get back to the place where you see God is at work. Can God? Yes, He can. You're in danger of missing the voice of God, the leading of the Spirit, if you don't hold on to the truth. Somebody say amen. It's an amazing thing to me how God deals with the human will. The human will. I met somebody the other day and said, well, they were free will Baptist. You know what free will Baptist is? It's free will. They're the Baptists that don't believe in predestination, that every man's got a will. He can choose. It's an amazing thing how God deals with the human will. In other words, He's not going to come down and make you do anything. But I want to tell you something. Sin systematically destroys the human will. Just talk to addicts. Talk to anybody addicted. Sin ultimately will destroy the human will. You'll get to the place where you can't choose. In fact, the prodigal son almost got there. He was in a pig pen. You remember what he said? He was in a bad place. 
And he said, how many servants in my father's house have bread enough and to spare? I will rise. I will go to my father. And I will say, three times he said, I will. The only thing that brings you back to God is by you saying, this is my solemn choice to serve God. I remember one service, I'm standing in this pulpit before we, you know, had all these expansions and got lost trying to find our way to worship. <laughs> I'm standing in this pulpit, I looked up there an altar call and somebody was coming down the middle aisle with another person in a headlock. Coming down the middle aisle. And told me, Pastor, they needed to be in the altar. <laughs> well, sure they did. But I kind of want their feet to get them in the altar. <laughs> These boots were made for walking. <laughs> you know, I kind of want them to come on their own. But there are people. <laughs> oh, are you hearing what I'm saying? They want somebody to come back and get them. Oh, come on, your, your miracle's here, your blessing's here. But God won't treat the human will that way. No man comes to God unless the Spirit draws him. He doesn't make him. It just draws you. you got a choice whether to go or not. It happens Sunday. Somebody let go of your past. Somebody put it on the altar. He was drawing you got the choice whether to be drawn or not. Yeah. It's amazing how God deals with the human will. Understand that if you get something in your craw, knowing the will of God and the plan of God, He will allow you to do what you want even when it's against His will. How many ever made a choice against the will of God? Remember Balaam? Maybe not. <laughs> Remember Balaam? Number 22, he wanted to curse Israel because the king said, I'll pay you big money if you curse Israel. And Balaam <laughs> wanted the money. And so we asked the Lord the first time if he could go, and God showed him, no, you can't go, Balaam. And when the princes of Moab returned and upped the money, they said, oh, so that wasn't good enough? We'll, double the, we'll double, double the money. You know what Balaam did? He went back to God and said, oh, God, do you know how much they're going to pay me to do this? You know what God said that time? God said, go. The first time he said, don't go. The second time God said, go. Do you think God was confused? No, God wasn't confused. He knew what Balaam was after. And there are sometimes, young people, God will let you go for what you're going after. Yeah. God didn't change his mind. In fact, Balaam was so set on going that God let him go. And this is why the Bible says that God's anger was aroused against Balaam when he did go. Because God had already told him no. And he had to go back and pray about it some more. I've already told you no. There's an interesting verse. Sister Ambu, you can come. I'm not sure what we want to play. Please don't play. These boots were made for walking. <laughs> Ezekiel 14. Look at this. Then came certain of the elders of Israel unto me and sat before me and 
the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, these men have set up their idols in their heart and put the stumbling block of their iniquity before their face. Should I be inquired of the, at all by them? God says, these men have idols and sin that they refuse to let go of. Should I even speak with them? Look at verse 4. For this reason, tell them and say to them, Thus saith the Lord God, Every man of the house of Israel that sets up his idols in his heart and puts his stumbling block of iniquity before his face and comes to a prophet, comes, I need a word from the Lord, I, the Lord, will answer him that cometh that way according to the multitude of his idols. That's a dangerous place. That's a dangerous place when God says, I put things before him and then I ask him to give me direction and the Lord said, until you get rid of that idol, you can't hear what God wants to say to you. This is why it's important for us to let God clean us and wash us and do for us what he wants to do. Somebody say amen. A group of elders came to Ezekiel for instruction. They, they already demonstrated half-heartedness. They wanted to be delivered from Babylon, but they were not ready to give God His rightful place in their heart. They'd adopted Babylonian values, Babylonian goals, and Babylonian standards, but still considered themselves children of God. And God literally said, if they're not willing to change their ways, I'll answer them according to their idols. The sinner's sin will get his own punishment. Proverbs 131, Therefore shall they eat the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. I've got good news for you. God can take care of you. He can give you direction. He wants you to grow in Him. He wants you to love Him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But to do that, you've got to get rid of every idol. I don't care what it is, how many ever hurts you have, how many ever pains you have. You've got to lay those things down so God, can give you the direction that you're longing for. Somebody say amen. I want us to lift our hands and say, Lord, help me to tear down every idol. Help me to tear down every high thing. In the name of Jesus, I come to you, Lord. I come to you right now. I come to you with an open heart. Amen. He wants you to face all those hurts and attitudes. He wants you to say, God, I need you more than I need anything else. I'm needing your presence in my life, Lord. Oh, in the name of Jesus. Now, I want you to stand right now. Feel the presence of God. I want you to reach over to the person beside you. I want you to pray for him. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray right now, God, that every kingdom in our hearts, I pray this would not be an idolatrous church. Lord, that this would not be a church that, we're, that we're, we, we are religious on the outside, but we deny the power that can make us godly. Lord, I pray right now that every idol would come. Good Pentecostal people with idols. Good Pentecostal people with, with high places in their hearts. God, I pray, Lord, you would move right now, God. We surrender everything to you, Lord. Oh, Lord, we lay down every idol. We lay down every thought. We lay down every worldly wisdom, God. We desire you. We desire to arm ourselves with the way you armed yourself, with obedience. Help us to obey you, God. Oh, come on, lift up your hands now. Say, Lord, help me to obey you. Help me to obey you, God. Help me to walk with you, God. 
This is how I mature in you. This is how I grow in you, God. Oh, I praise you, Lord. I praise you, Lord. Oh, blessed be your name, Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. Hallelujah. Somebody give the Lord a good hand clap tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We give you praise, God. Thank you, Lord. Hey, don't let your past or your pain or your hurt rob you from what God wants you to have. Somebody say amen. He wants you to be whole. You're his child. (laughs) Amen. And I'll obey you, God. I'll speak to me. I'll follow you. I'll walk with you. How many feel that way tonight? Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. I pray you'd take this and feast on it and chew on it. Amen. And God, God will bless you for it. Amen. The word of the Lord shall not return void. Somebody say amen. Well, greet somebody and tell them I'm glad to see you tonight at church.